Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this, my friends, is the Four Center podcast feed. And this is our main show. I am Ken Napsok. 
And I am Joseph Scrimshaw, and this main show is going to be full of news and then also equally full of cues. The Q stands for questions. I'm excited about both our news and our questions, Ken. Yeah, we are uh, going to be talking about the big news, Knights of the Old Republic, the remake, the game, all that stuff. We'll be diving into our thoughts on that, our reactions, and whether or not the big question, you or I will be able to play the game That's there <laughs> as well. Uh, questions coming up as always. We always appreciate your questions, but we want to remind you all that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash four center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, we have our four center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. But... Uh, that is not all. No, there is another offer. Inside Editions, they are a publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books as well as other pop culture books, and they are offering 35% off across their website with a special Force Center code. To get your discount, enter the coupon code FC35, or you can visit the website with this link, insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we are continuing to recommend the Insight Editions book, Secrets of the Jedi. What secrets will be revealed? What cheeses do they like? That's not in the book but there are other great secrets and there is a companion book coming out soon called secrets of the sith so check that all out with the code fc35 check it all out my friends star wars or life adventures are up next and well i'm trying to i think my voice is disguising the exhaustion joseph but it's it's it might be a hard task uh, a lot of travel and fun and crazy things and i know you've been uh, up to your eyeballs in life, both fun, challenging, and trivia studying. It's all there, but what's been going on? Yeah, yeah, for me, definitely, you know, uh, some work stuff, some life stuff. But truly, truly, I am mostly just uh, barely a human. I am a container for Star Wars facts. Uh, as we are recording this today, uh, later today, I'm recording a match for the great uh, movie trivia schmodown, a Star Wars match. We'll see how it uh, turns out. But that contest has become even more intense, even more deep. So I've really spent almost the entire week studying. Uh, some of it is a lot of numbers, which uh, I have a hard time with. They're not necessarily my favorite thing to memorize in Star Wars. But I did find some things of like, I've always wondered that. Because that's where the, the depth is, right, Ken? Where like yeah, something will pass on screen and it'll be like, I'm not even sure quite how to google that and it'll be work to find it <laughs> you type uh, uh alien and back with red shirt <laughs> yep and you get a lot of weird things uh but one thing that i've tried to look up before that i have not been able to find but i did find this time and it's such a weird thing to be excited about ken but we try to find our joy where we can yeah maybe other fans have known this forever but i finally personally found the actual star wars name for Padme Amidala's funeral space horses. I have looked in the past and I could not find it. It is a gular, which is different oh. than the horse-like species gulara, which uh, one of the Venator-class Star Destroyers is named after. Of course. The gular is the, the horses that accompany, four of them, I believe, mm. uh, that accompany them uh, to Padme's uh, funeral, accompany Padme on her funeral journey. This With is a Japor snippet. Yeah, yeah, that I know, right? Uh, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting the sweats. It's so funny. I'm, I'm not. I, don't, I sort of mean to, to, to mock this a bit of information, but I'm, I'm, I'm having a fun tone with it, which is weird because I've been the one for years going, well, it's called a DL44, which remember, you know, no one knew that at one point, right? Yep. Uh, and, and how it's 
part of the fun of Star Wars, but then you, it can get, that's overwhelming. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, I think that's, you know, we might be doing some, some discussions on this about like the nature of Star Wars trivia. It's a really fun thing of like, well, I loved learning the DL44. I knew that because it was on the back of the power of the force Two Han Solo action figure. And I thought that was cool because that's one of the coolest blasters ever. And I wanted to memorize it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's fascinating about this journey is you come across some like names or some numbers. Oh, great. Shura is the fruit that is delivered by Tecla Minow that uh, Anakin floats. Cool. I want to know that. But even the numbers based ones are so about that divide between like if it's a ship or a blaster that I like, then it's kind of fun. And I want to know that. And other times you're just like there are a lot of separatist ships and I really don't need to know the actual model number of everyone, you know, <laughs> nor do I want to with those separatists. <laughs> yeah. I mean, separatists, but, um, yeah. that's been life, my life adventure. Um, I'm, I'm sure you remember this, uh, episode of cheers, uh, featuring, uh, Woody, uh, of, of course, Tobias Beckett, uh, where he wants to beat Carla at a sports trivia contest. And she claims she can't be beat. He studies forever. She asks him three really difficult questions. He answers and everybody cheers for him. And then they like try to start talking to him. And he just keeps spouting random sports facts and he has to be dragged away. <laughs> yes. That's the way I feel right now, you know? Yeah. 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 You're, you're in game shape, which is great. But yeah, that's, uh, yeah, the brain starts to twist upon itself. Yeah. Yeah. Like my wife is telling me things about, let's go in on our work. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, okay, okay. I need to remember this person's job title. Like, no, you don't. You can just ask her. Nobody's going to quiz you on that person's job title at your yeah. wife's work. You can just ask her. <laughs> it's uh, I mean, you're rewatching re Veep. It's, we all need a Tony Hale whispering in our ears. This is the uh, Congressman from Alabama's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. This is Ainley team of Malister. Uh, anyway, that's my life adventure. You have been in Vegas and your voice sounds great for it. <laughs> Look, whew, to deep breath. A lot of, a lot of fun. I was there uh, with a, a few people, uh, a large group of friends kind of went and that's kind of a, a fun experience in itself. Um, and we were there for, uh, you know, four actual days, three nights, which is a long time to be in Vegas. Uh, as much as I love Vegas, you start to get that feel of that third morning where you're like, oh, we're, st oh, we're still here. Okay. <laughs> all right. But then we rallied. We had a lot of fun. And and I'm trying to, I was trying to find the Star Wars of it all. And I, I don't know if I've discussed this in the years past. There was at one point a Star Wars slot machine. I, I did Ooh. play it. I played it a number of years ago in, uh, there's a casino. It always changes hands for a while. It was like a Hooters casino. Now it's like a OYO, OYO casino. I don't know. It's a, it's across uh, from MGM Grand off of, uh, not on Las Vegas Boulevard off the side street there. And I remember that. I remember that because that it had a Star Wars slot machine. I haven't seen it since. And I'm walking around because I love the Lord of the Rings slots. I love the Game of Thrones slots. They took my money, but made it back on Blackjack. We're okay. We're okay. Um, but I was like, I, I, I kind of would like a Star Wars game. There's, you know, literally, you know, Titanic and all these other <laughs> Ghostbusters. Everything, everything is licensed. Everything is there. Uh, the Titanic one is my favorite of try your luck at famous <laughs> horrific accident. Right? Like well, there should be a Hindenburg one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there isn't really a Star Wars one that I could find. And I, I think at the end of the day, I worked through my brain drive it home. I did think about this. Uh, I think I'm okay with that. I think of all the things Star Wars is, 
from breakfast cereals to bags of oranges to whatever in between. I like that maybe Star Wars is not overrepresented in the casinos of Las Vegas. I, I think it makes sense. Like, it yeah. really amuses me to, like, you walk up to this, like, cool, oh, is, is it, it's a prequel era slot machine, and the lights go off, pew, 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 and Star Wars noise, and then you just, like, hear Qui-Gon saying, right, the, whenever you gamble, eventually you lose, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Which would be, that yeah, would be a perfect sign-off one. I mean, that, the, you know, the Cersei, uh, you, whenever you play the, the, game, the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. That was, that was... That was horrible when I was cashing out with my 20 cents left. From the I put it so, there Qui-Gon. is a third option that you lose a lot of money, right? Yeah. Uh, so Qui-Gon tisk tisking me would be, would be fun. Would be fun. But yeah, I don't mean to turn this into some big moral, uh, you know, conversation and morality tale of Star Wars and the slots. But yeah, you're, unless it was like a Sith game where it's just like more power, <laughs> unlimited bonus features, like then, then maybe I could get behind. Yeah, yeah. No, I could understand that if it was a a, a, a slot machine to teach you about greed. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe they did try that, and that's why all the casinos are like, not that one. We're not putting that in there. Yeah. Unlimited gin and tonics as long as you <laughs> sit here and play. Uh, city of sin. Yes. So, uh, I've survived. It was uh, great. Uh, actually, uh, really healthy. That was a concern. Obviously, um, you know, you always get that Vegas flu anyways, but uh, feeling really good, which shows uh, masks, watch it, washing your hands and uh, minding your own uh, distance uh, is, is effective. Uh, you know, staying back, stay back. Um, so it was good. It was a good time. A lot of fun. Yeah, well, that sounds great. I'm glad you minded your own distance. That's a good turn of phrase. <laughs> Mind your own distance. There was people I wanted to yell that at. Um, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Uh, so from there, I'm going to take a deep breath, and we are going to roll on and dive into the Star Wars news, playing catch up on one story, but one we're kind of uh, relatively timely for a four center. The joke always being big news or some kind of news released on the day after we record, but we get to discuss this one, Joseph. Knights of the Old Republic is going to be remade. All right, here's some of the details of this story. As always, you can go to StarWars.com and get a little bit more information. As part of the PlayStation Showcase, there's so many cons and conventions and showcases and investor days. I forget which when when they pop up and what they are. But the PlayStation uh, Showcase featured a teaser trailer that revealed one of the most beloved Star Wars games of all time is getting remade. This is, of course, Knights of the Old Republic. So we'll dive in here first, Joseph. Now, the trailer itself is pretty cool. I guess we could start there. Uh, you got uh, Jennifer Hale back as uh, the character of Bastila. And a reveal of uh, Revan, right? Everyone loves Revan. Revan even has a Black Series figure. Everyone loves Revan. <laughs> and that's kind of the trailer. So I'll just ask you first there, Joseph. Uh, what do you think about that little tease? I think it's a really good tease because it is uh, in great Star Wars tradition to speaking to uh, old fans and new, right? That's a great nostalgia trailer of this voice you love, this character you love is back. Then look at this iconic character of Revan. That's back. Um but also if you're dealing with like a younger fan who hasn't played or maybe somebody who jumped on board uh, with the sequels or Mandalorian, mm-hmm. I think it's a great enticement of like, I've kind of heard whispers of this old thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is it? And I think it's just a really effective pop on Revan's mask, right? Like there's a reason that that Revan is uh, popular, uh, many reasons why he's popular, but yeah. the aesthetic is one of them. And that mask is just powerful. It's one of the 
like really good masks of Star Wars. They even say in the interview, one of the um, game developers saying, hey, you know, it's cool. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and we all always agree there's a certain level of Star Wars cool we all enjoy uh, celebrating. So, as I said, this is a remake, to be clear, and it will be exclusive to the PS5 and PCs at the time of launch. Now, unclear if that will change, but that was a pre- pre- pretty specific uh, use of uh, that sentence there at the time of launch. So uh, I'm going to also dive in here, Joseph. Uh, PS5s, you and I, you know, we have we use our allowance money wisely. Uh, we, we don't have PS5s yet. Uh, a lot of people don't. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of people are PC gamers. I am not. Uh, Joseph, I don't believe you are. But uh, what do you think about this? Uh, this, uh, the way I interpreted this was... Uh, Hey, you have to buy a PS5 now. Uh, <laughs> like it, the un, you know, unclear if that will change with other games, uh, game systems. Yeah, I'm sure it will come out to more, but I'm not seeing. Maybe long after its release, it'll be like, do you still have a PlayStation Four? Like an old monster? Fine. Like, but but that that's the way I interpreted it. Of like, mm. it, it is time to you know. Yeah. You, you got to get a new one if you want to keep up with the times. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's how they get you. That's how they get you. Uh, yep. Galleons. But, it, you know, it is what I mean. Eventually, it's not like I'm boycotting anyone. Everything's just like I have two working PS4s. I am blessed. <laughs> right? I am blessed. I, I should. I, it, what, what am I going to do? So, uh, and the games are still great. I'm having fun with Red Dead Redemption 2 online and MLB Show. But, yeah, this starts happening and you start getting that little nagging uh, power, unlimited power voice in your head going, I must consume and get a PS5. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Texas-based um, Asper Studios has been heading up the project for some time because, uh, you know, these things don't spring up over the weekend. Uh, so that's kind of cool. I always love when, uh, you know, we are out here speculating on Star Wars and whatever we're going to enjoy in two years is uh, already three years into development. Um, the big question, Joseph, though, is uh, canon. We got to know about canon, which I understand. On this project specifically, this is a big question to ask. This is a remake from a game that came out during a different time, a different era, pre-Disney, and we just kind of accepted that as the story of thousands and thousands of generations ago. Story takes, what, roughly 4,000 years before. So an article on StarWars.com kind of describing all this, this big interview with the two uh, leads of the game, uh, said, uh, described the game as part of Legends. But writer Dan Brooks tweeted out in response. There's a lot of tweets to go through saying, well, that was actually referring to the old game. But at the same time, Mm. story groups, Matt Martin, who has also said, I'm not I'm not directly involved with this one. This isn't in my portfolio over there. The old job there tweeted that the article seemed to answer the question that everyone was going to ask him, uh, which um, he's out and about on Twitter. So he's going to get that question a lot. Mm -hmm. That made me think, well, we're not looking at canon. And then I was looking a little bit more. Again, we're going to get to the to the. Our, our, you and I's personal experience with the game and my experience with the game is is very small and very limited. I, I understand the, a lot of the plots, points, and the characters and the time frame. I, I don't know about you, Joseph. I, I think this already not, would put it slightly, possibly slightly at odds with the High Republic. So it's a fair question to ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think right now in terms of the, the canon question, right, of um, it is uh, 4,000 years ahead, so like timeline it doesn't it doesn't overlap with uh high republic it, for me the whole whole canon question is just really a matter of what kind of room do you want to keep for um for other stories being told right yeah. i think that's just something that that the whole lucasfilm uh 
all the powers that be need to be mindful of do if there are going to be movies or television shows set in an era like this eventually do we want to have a a video game to contend with right and then there's also just the um in terms of the balance of updating the video game they talk a lot in that great interview about well we have to update it enough so it's worth updating but we also have to keep it absolutely pure to what people love and i assume that they're talking about both the tech but also like some of the storytelling interactions right so it's that question of is there anything that's kind of classic and cool about knights of the old republic uh that you'd want to keep but you also do just kind of have to nudge it in a certain way to fit in with modern canon. Yeah, and finding little little um, smudges, right, to to just kind of uh, erase the edges and 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 draw it back to what we know. Because one of the things, just you hear that you read the description of the game, and it's like, hey, four thousand years ago, the Republic was at its height. It's like I, you know, that doesn't track for me personally with what we're seeing in uh, the High Republic. It's a different era, and it's a great era. It's an era of peace and all stuff, but it's peace and growth and progress and that's what we're dealing with with the high republics so that's where my mind went first so uh, would you I, I, you and i talk a lot about canon versus legends and what <laughs> we worry about and what we don't worry about in this particular game are you good with it just being legends you personally joseph scrimshaw the fan base might have a problem with it but you are you okay with it yeah i mean i think the important thing is to to really do just take a step back and say like what experience do you want to have as a player or somebody absorbing a story and this is such this has been the power of it right that you play this story and you get to experience it right mm -hmm. um and, and i think it doesn't matter for me if it's legends or canon you still get to experience that story. I think there can be that discussion, that feeling that saying it's canon gives it this like uh, extra level of uh, legitimacy, mm -hmm. uh, which I understand why people uh, feel that way. But especially since it's 4,000 years ago, there's a part of me that's just kind of likes the idea that, well, history as of around the time of, you know, maybe the High Republic even, history knows that there was a Sith called mm -hmm. Revan during the wars uh, but we don't know, but there are a lot of different stories about him, right. you know, and right. maybe this is one and maybe there's another, and maybe the stories don't have to agree necessarily. And we could kind of embrace that kind of truth of history, uh, that mm -hmm. even history begins to take on a myth-like quality because sometimes we don't know the full story and we never can. Yeah. Yeah. And, and playing with the, 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 the fuzzy memories of everyone involved as, as, uh, as the story goes on. Now, some of the characters, and I was just double checking, I was even double checking my own notes here. Bane, I know is, is canon, uh, from references in, uh, Clone Wars and stuff like that. Revan was slated to appear in Ghosts of Mortis, uh, did not. So I'm running through my mind is, is Revan even officially canon to get hung up on the little details? And I don't believe he is. Revan is in this current era of, <laughs> yes, I think, right. debate of what matters because where he has been mentioned in canon is uh, the Sith troopers on Exegol are divided up into, I think, legions, and the legions all have names of the great Sith of the past, and one of the region, uh, yeah. legions is Revan. So right. that's quite a few layers deep. I know the visual dictionary is canon, right? Um, yeah. yeah. But as we've seen already with, with some of the storytelling between uh, books and comics and what's on screen, that I, I think we also just need to be mindful of 
kind of like it was back when this was made. And George Lucas was like, hey, everybody, go have fun. I'll change any damn thing I want when I put something on screen myself. Yeah. You know, that I don't think we're quite there, but I think it it, it does matter that mm -hmm. screen seems to is going to take precedence. Yeah, and I, and I think I'm always on that side of the the conversation. Uh, I, I really think I am. And these are, I, I you know, yeah, great pull on the the visual dictionary uh, deep cut there. Uh, that's almost like you've been studying a lot in the last week. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think with these characters having such a big presence in the fandom, to to much similar to Thrawn, like finding a way to 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 work it back in and kind of sync things up, and maybe you know a lot of people say, hey, what about a reference to Exegol or Sith Eternal, those kind of things. I I'd be really excited. I do think, yeah, it, it's best to keep your heart and mind and soul open to all the possibilities. But I think it's such a big story, it's such a big character. I could I, I could enjoy. There being a little bit of a remade connection, if you will. But I also think, and I want to ask you here, Joseph, I, I think this will inspire a new era of, of Knights of the Old Republic content, including maybe, uh, but not limited to shows, movies, or something more, books, comics. It, it should spark a renewed interest and an also fresh interest in, in the new generation of fans, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I'm most excited about. Like, I'm super excited for this game, and, and I'm super excited for the, the fans of this game. It means, you know, so much to so many Star Wars fans, and I'm thrilled for it. But in terms of what it might inspire on screen, I I'm so excited for a movie, a movie trilogy, a Disney Plus show that gets into this era, an era where there are multiple Sith, there are multiple Jedi, and they're fighting, because that's like such a, a big deal. And we haven't seen that on screen. It's For me, it's something that I just, like... um Mm -hmm. I really think it is one of the best ways Star Wars is so in this position right now where I feel like they need to balance the old and the new on screen. And that's in some ways you can't get more classic of like the Jedi with their uh, green and blue and sometimes purple and gold lightsabers and the Sith with their red lightsabers. But there are hundreds of them and their philosophy is slightly different because it's a longer time ago. It's so exciting mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. that I would love to see stuff set in, you know, Old Republic. We're talking about potentially thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. Uh, and all of that, to me, I think, is is far more interesting than a direct adaptation of the game. I think a direct adaptation of the story of the game is dangerous because the power of the game is you get to go through it, right? Yes. So you're adapting everybody's personal experience. Yes, is that seems like a challenging adaptation. And I mean, Revan's a great character, so I'd be even happy with the Disney Plus Revan show. And, and maybe you can leave it, leave enough room that the game could, you know, the details of the game, you know, don't matter. Right. Yeah, that, that could be true or it could be not. Or, you know, that kind of thing. Well, I mean, you, you know, listen to you talk here. I'm like, yeah, find me a, a video game adaptation that, you know, it's gone into a movie that's gone overwhelmingly well you know and maybe in the last couple of years you might have better examples of it and you know last of us a lot of people have hopes hopes in that and i was a fan of the first uncharted game i don't know if i'll ever see that in film you know or you know it will it will work i don't know we'll find out so yeah a, a direct adaptation it's almost impossible so it would have to inspire and some of the things you, you're talking about here, but and have talked about before of uh, the big giant battles, I do believe those belong on screen, and, and specifically maybe even the big screen, not to spark that kind of debate um, where where these should play. But 
I, I think there's such great uh, potential in these stories that I, I like you, I'm really excited what this could mean. And final, my final note on that is I don't necessarily think this game is being brought back to test any waters. I think the game's being brought back because it's a damn popular game. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I think this is about a, a video game. Like, yes, this is a kind yeah. of a people have been asking for this for years. Right. And if, if Lucasfilm announced tomorrow, like, yeah, we are actually uh, one of those movies we have slated is actually going to be a Knights of the Old Republic adaptation. Uh, then I would be happy for the fans who are happy and go, all right, let's let's go on this ride. Yeah. And, <laughs> and find out, you know, but I, I think I just I'm just excited to let the video game be the video game. And I, I'm more excited to see new stories in this era. Uh, yeah, I think at the end of the day, that might be where I, I sit uh, sit as well, uh, which begs the big question. And we have mentioned this even before when some rumors of this game and anytime this game comes up, like I said up top, uh, you and I, I know we didn't play it as much as others, at least speaking for myself here. I played it 0%. <laughs> Never <laughs> have touched the game. Uh, you, though, were you, did you have it on uh, like your phone or iPad recently? Do I remember that right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, I was going to get it back in the day, and then mm-hmm. I feared that my life would fall apart, like, literally. Um, like, I, I, when I bought the laptop that I had at the time, which was the per- first computer I bought myself, I, I quizzed my friend who worked at Apple to make sure that that computer had the specs <laughs> to play this video game. And then people were like, it's so immersive. And I was just like, I will destroy my own life. I can't. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll play it in a year. <laughs> yeah. And then time gets by. And then recently, oh, maybe three months ago. Yeah, I finally downloaded it to my iPad. I think I'm at about 20 percent. I'm really enjoying it. It's a, it's a great game. It's a great nostalgia trip because it's very different. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. To play a game that was made back then. Now. Uh, but right now, my enemies, Ken, are time and a rancor. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Always, always having a hard time hard to find time to really devote a ton of time to the video game plan and also i ran into a rancor and i don't uh, i don't have enough health i don't have enough weapons so i gotta backtrack (laughs) it's one of those points i'd love to actually see that in a knights of the old republic star wars movie where there's just an entire act of the movie is them powering up to fight a rancor (laughs) <laughs> yes. I mean, when, isn't that thrilling narrative content where people like just they see a rancor and they're like, uh, we don't have enough medicine or bombs. So let's backtrack to exactly where we were. It's going to take about two hours yeah. <laughs> and then come back through these pipes and fight that rancor. Let's go get XP. We need XP. Let's go beat up some lesser villains. Uh, yeah. If they released a Disney Plus show that was, uh, yeah, Knights of the Old Republic, colon, grind. Yeah. I think that would be a really... Really interesting experiment. So I guess if we uh, pony up and get those PS5s, will this, Joseph, finally be our chance to truly play this game, sit on a couch, give up a month of our lives? (laughs) Is this what's going to happen? I think maybe I want to finish the old one on my iPad. So I I Mm -hmm. truly like I know the story points, you know, and all that, but I'm really excited to experience it for myself. I have to say, I think the thing that would make me really go, I want to give the time is, is if there were a lot of sort of, if there were a lot of narrative updates or it mm. was an effort to kind of make it fit in into more modern canon, then I'd be pretty fascinated. Okay. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm in a, I'm actually in a wonderful position. I, I, the reasons I never played the game in the past, I, I, I couldn't really tell you. Didn't do a lot of gaming at that point in my life. Was a Star Wars fan. Clearly it's always been part of my life, but it was like an era of, Post Sith, what are we doing? I don't know, and 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 other things going on, and I just um, I just didn't do it. There's no real reason, no, uh, not me fighting against the game at all. So I think 
this would be a good time for me to sit down with a completely clean slate. Other than knowing what friends have whispered in my ears for years about, oh, then, then this happens and then you get to do this. Cool. Now I could experience myself. So I think, yeah, it's on my radar screen is something to uh, something to do. And uh, then uh, you, if you guys are all wondering why Four Center's not having episodes for a month, that might be one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a little hiatus to go to the old republic. Yes, indeed. So it's exciting stuff. And like Joseph said, I echo it. Uh, we are sharing our personal experiences with the game, which might be less than yours. We are really happy. I have some real good friends who just are over the moon and just still call this their favorite Star Wars story, even over some of the classic movies. And so I, we're there for that. We love when celebrate uh, when Star Wars is celebrated. We really, really do. So uh, we'll update you on what's coming there. Uh, final story of the day is us catching up a little bit to the trailer that was dropped last week. It is Star Wars Terrifying Tales. This is the new Lego uh, I was going to say a holiday special. Uh, more could be on the way. They, of course, did the uh, uh, Life Day kind of renewed the Star Wars holiday special for the modern era, which we enjoy. And we know that on October 1st on Disney Plus, we're going to be experiencing Star Wars terrifying tales. And we got a trailer. So just what are some of our favorite jokes, bits, reveals, and then we'll dig a little deeper. Oh, I'm so excited for this one. I, I really love Halloween and this, and in particular, I like Halloween specials that are just really owning it. And I love how much it's like, it is it is Star Wars mashed up with Halloween, but it's also just kind of like real world Halloween of just like a wolf howl, I'm sure. That is a specific Star Wars animal's a wolf howl. Maybe that's the noise the shack makes. I don't know. Uh, but I'm extremely excited for this whole thing. I just love the aesthetic of all of it. And I thought, they are doing a great job of pulling in the elements of Star Wars that that do have uh, kind of uh, one foot or claw in the genre of horror to begin with, right? Yeah. Um, so some of the things that I, I animatronic Vader was was very very funny. The whole idea of turning his castle into uh, kind of a, a cheap tourist trap is hilarious, and <laughs> forcing Vader to be animatronic very funny. Uh, Maul's legs not working, like. That that's really getting. That's like we're we're now far beyond. Hey, uh, everybody knows stormtroopers are bad shots from the original trilogy, right? Like now we're into like, hey, remember <laughs> on that animated show when he had spider legs? That was weird, right? <laughs> and he had those big, not even the spider legs. He's found with the spider legs, and he gets the weird horse legs almost. Uh, and let's make fun of that, you know? I love that stuff. Yeah, Star Wars uh, looking in on itself uh, and what was once old, uh, once new is now old to be made fun of. Love that as well. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I enjoyed some of the favorable jokes, bits, reveals. Yeah, the Empire Emporium, uh, really funny. And with Galaxy's Edge out there, it's uh, meta as well, I guess you could say. Uh, I, I, you know, zombie battle droids was pretty funny. Looking too. But a couple beats there. Luke being carried off as a TIE fighter pilot. We're going to discuss a little bit more about that in a be- uh, minute. But I like that visual. The Ren reveal. Looks like we got Christian Slater as Ren, right? And, and uh, to actually see a character we've only seen in comics so far. And now in Lego form. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that. And uh, look, I, you know, the shining joke at the end, I'm, I'm there for. Oh, that was a very, very good joke, and and like I'll bang on about uh, Star Wars themes, right? It's taking something yeah. that is just sort of like uh, mythic and terrifying and making it super technical. I love it; it's a great joke. Yeah, so a lot of cool things in this little trailer, and we got know we got these three stories we'll be following. Of course, the uh, overall theme is uh, Poe Dameron and uh, a new kind of uh, young pal crash 
and uh, with BB-8 there as well. BB-8. I thought that it was his name for a second, the way yeah. you said it. His new pal, Crash. Crash. Uh, they crash at uh, Fortress Vader, and Vinay, voiced by Tony Hale, uh, is going to be taking around and telling him uh, some stories that are not quite true. Uh, but we've got these stories. The Lost Boy. This is Ben Solo meeting Ren and the Knights of Ren. Uh, the Dueling Monstrosities, which uh, imagines how Maul and Grievous were reborn, which is actually pretty cool. We're getting some more Grievous stuff, too. And the Wookiee's Paw, which imagines what if all of Luke's greatest wishes were immediately granted? That one, in terms of Star Wars what ifs, is pretty delicious. So what lessons and themes do we hope to experience and learn from these tales, Joseph? Uh, well, I, I like that they uh, the Luke one almost looks a little bit like What If, right? I mean, you got the Marvel What If series running. We did a ranked episode. I mean, th- it's going to be comedy. It's fun. It's for Lego. We know it's not a true story, but it's got a little bit of that What If vibe of What If Luke joined the Empire, right? It absolutely does, and it, everything about it. Um, I'm intrigued. Like I'm that, that, that that's my number one interest right now. It's just to see. What they, even though it's Lego and it's going to have its Lego sense of humor to see what we can get out of that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think for me, um, what I'm excited to get out of it is I think there is like a good and fine and must be acknowledged marketing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that these kinds of fun specials, if a young kid just kind of likes Star Wars and has maybe watched some of the movies, right? This is a great way to introduce them to some deep dive characters, right? And uh, yeah. you can see a kid going like, but where, where, where's Ren and the Knights of Ren from? Where can I learn more about that? And a, a frustrated parent has to Google, okay, I guess I got to buy this comic book. <laughs> Four-issue comic run? What? All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, but I, I kind of joke and poke fun at it, but I think it is a legitimate and a good way to just provide lots of different ways into Star Wars for people of uh, all different ages. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Th- there's the one line from Poe to uh, the kid, Crash, which is not his name. Um about dealing with fear you know and and that's really great to take something that that is so halloween focused that trades on all the fun of fear uh and and give a nice star wars moral of i think that's so in such an important idea for for people of all ages that fear just exists it's true the bad thing isn't to feel fear <laughs> the challenge is how do you deal with fear and i think it's, it seems like it's gonna really you know have that nice message that these lego uh, all the Lego Star Wars is good at at having a ton of comedy and still having that heart. Yeah, and the thing for me is like, is we're not digging super deep into Lego because you know we feel we need to. It it, it will be there because the, the the previous holiday special was was really deep and had fun Star Wars themes and and this stuff. This is how you tell Star Wars stories, and we got a a tale of power. We got a tale of devotion to the undead, which is that uh, that's a Halloween indeed, and a tale of desire. So. The, you know, the lessons, uh, you know, that Poe and the others might be learning or, or telling us it's tales of service and, of course, letting go and, and patient, which is something you and I talked pretty recently here on Star Wars and how Luke wanting this and wanting this right now to get off that rock and join the Imperial Academy would, would have potentially changed everything. That's uh, it's going to be fun to see it. Yes, through the Lego eye, but just kind of see it again and, and see where some of these lessons land for me. Yeah, exactly. And, and and my final thing for this is I hope it's a huge success and I hope it makes uh, the powers that be at Lucasfilm say, you know, we really need a full Star Wars horror movie or show because <laughs> I still really want uh, Star Wars totally through the horror filter. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think the closest thing coming down the pipelines weren't the the acolyte, but uh, maybe even more. Yeah. On in. And then I'll have to confront my fear of horror movies. <laughs> uh, we can find a bright lit space in public for you to watch it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So uh, that is a look at uh, Star Wars Terrifying Tales and the Knights of the Old Republic remaking news. Yes, remaking news. That's what I'm calling it here. I'll blame the slot machines for one final time. Before we take a quick break, reset and ask your questions, uh, answer your questions while you ask them. Uh, we are also going to recommend an audio book and one you can try out on us. Joseph, what do we have? We are still recommending Out of the Shadows by Justina Ireland. It is a new High Republic book, not even the newest story right now, but we are going to be reading it and diving into it soon. So if you want to get caught up, that's the one we're recommending, Out of the Shadows. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. All right, that's it. We're going to take a quick break and come back and talk uh, about your questions here on Four Center. And Ken's going to take a nap. All right. See <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com, that's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com, for articles like How to Make Your Own Darth Maul Sneakers or 10 Unique Star Wars Baby Gift Ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. All right, welcome back to Force Center number 357 in our ongoing series discussing Star Wars. And we cannot have an ongoing series, an ongoing podcast without our wonderful Force Center friends. Joseph, we always love their questions. We got another round of great ones this week. What do we got? That's right. We got two from Twitter and two from our patrons on Patreon. As always, we go first to Twitter. Geeky Gator asks, uh, Kenobi has almost always been a supporting character in other people's stories as he furthers and helps them on their journey. Now, in the Kenobi show, he will be the lead and main focus. What do you think that will look and feel like in the show? Also, I feel like many people expect this show to be mostly somber and sad as he mourns his losses. Uh, but Star Wars always has moments of joy, hope, and happiness, as well as silliness. Uh, what do you think those moments will look like for Kenobi at this point in his life? That is a bunch of great Kenobi yeah. questions all in one, and it makes me so damn happy. There's the first bit of jo joy. I'm excited for this show. But Ken, let's tackle this kind of first part of uh, Geeky Gator's question of the focus being on Kenobi. What do you think that will uh, feel or look like, uh, as as Geeky Gator asks? Yeah, that, that's a great point, Geeky Gator. I mean, it's something you, you you know you don't really stop and think about a lot, other than some specific arcs in the Clone Wars that maybe might pop to mind. Uh, yeah, Kenobi is the the wise wizard that literally was his role in New Hope, <laughs> uh, and then kind of the teacher, mentor, parental figure, big brother figure. Uh, for Anakin, so yeah, all all his uh, moments shining on other people. I think, and I, I guess I was I, I was thinking maybe some of those Clone Wars episodes and maybe that being a template, but I think this will be be different because of where he is in his life. So I think it will feel, 
I think this will be a, a little bit of a slower show with bits of action in it. At least I have to be honest. That's what I want. I We joke about the old man around the campfire. I really want that. And just him kind of processing it. it, it it's 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 an introspective story. It's an introspective movie. I like, um, say, not, I'm not trying direct conclusion but i love like up in the air with george clooney just a just a grumpy man looking out the window wondering what the hell's happened to his life like <laughs> kind of where i've been most of my life so i kind of want that and 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 then therefore dive into what we can learn about kenobi at this point yeah i i think given the fact of the this show's history of development of that it was a movie and then it did get expanded to uh or adapted to to fit the television uh the streaming structure uh but really looking at it the way a couple of the mcu shows have been structured when there's six episodes that breaks down really well into uh kind of moving like a movie and having a sort of three-act structure um and if i had to bet i I think that that first episode is really going to be i think a lot of what you're talking about or like what we've imagined is that will be really setting the table for how's he doing (laughs) yeah Uh, 10 years after revenge of the sith and probably toward the end have a catalyst that sets him off on his adventure. Um, and I think that how it's going to feel is the word that comes to mind is cathartic. Um, because I think that we are going to meet somebody who is really dealing uh, with his demons. And there's a catharsis in that of just like turning to face the thing that has been haunting you the most. Right. Mm-hmm. Um I think one of the reasons that I've always responded to attack the clones and loved attack the clones is we, that's the most Kenobi focused on the, on the big screen, right? Because he's going, he's not going through an arc. He's not really being changed. Yeah. He's just this steadfast guy who believes in what the Jedi are doing and is getting it done. And his way of getting it done is, uh, you know, tricking Zam Wessel at the bar, (laughs) you know, having some uh, Jawa juice uh, at a diner with his old buddy. And then not, not getting any thrill from fighting or flying, but just doing it because it needs to be done. Um, and I think that that is an essential part of Kenobi. But also I think what this story is about is he has all of that purpose has been taken from him. Mm-hmm. So what is his purpose now? Um, and I think that, uh, that, that gets into some of the, um, the, the joys that we might be able to see as he may be, he does have purpose, right? He is yep. watching over Luke. He has been given the training assignment at the end of Revenge of the Sith to learn to commune uh, with Qui-Gon. Uh, so it's not like he doesn't have purpose, but I think he might be floundering. And this story is about him regaining a sense of purpose. See, it is exactly like Cloney staring at the flight board. <laughs> going to go next. Uh, no, well said as, as always. And you're so right about Attack the Clones being, uh, you know, Obi-Wan having an adventure, man. <laughs> He's, yeah. It's part of it. And I want that to be in there as well. I mean, uh, we joke. We always joke. Yeah, I literally could have six episodes of Kenobi drinking at the bar. I'm sure I'd be happy. But do I want that? No, no. I want I want action. I want I want something. I want I want something to pick up and go as he rediscovers the purpose. I think well said specifically on that of, of him kind of maybe already knowing the purpose. You and I have talked about the great turning of the page in his life going from uh, the scars of Anakin to the, the, the hope of the future. So to see that, to see that uh, even if it does happen in a bar, it'll be fun. And, and you're right. That's some of the moments of silliness. I go to that certain point of view story 
of, uh, you know, uh, Obi-Wan dropping off the carved uh, wood toys for Luke, right? That's, <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's a sweet thing. That's joy. That's warmth. And, and a lot of times you're like, hey, if there's some great tragedy or trauma in your life, it might be a little thing. It might be a puppy dog that you pet or it might be a laugh or it might be a drink at the bar. And I think you will find that trademark Kenobi sense of humor throughout the show in those moments as he tries to process it all. Yeah, I think that is a big part of it for the like the silliness or the just kind of moment to moment thing of, you know, uh, a part of Obi-Wan's character is that he is grumpy. Right. And even in the prequel uh, films that some of the best uh, comedy from Obi-Wan is just him being grumpy of, you know, this is just more bleep I have to do. <laughs> uh, not that he doesn't believe into it, but but he doesn't get that joy out of or that thrill out of it, you know? Mm hmm. His, you know, first line in uh, Revenge of the Sith when he's on a mission that he's planned to rescue the Chancellor. He's full of purpose to, you know, help try to maybe get close to bringing this damn war to an end, doing his duty. And he's like, uh, uh, Anakin points out Grievous' ship. And he's like, oh, I see it. Oh, this is going to be easy. Like, he, yeah. that sort of, like, grumpy charm, I think, will be there. I think uh, it would be great, great to get some quality Kenobi in a bar time uh, with that kind of thing. So I think on that just kind of surface level, I think his character brings a little bit of of fun and, and humor. But in terms of like uh, the great things that Geeky Gator is saying about, you know, Star Wars always, even in its darkest episodes, right, has mm -hmm. some hope and some happiness. And I think for me, um, if this is the story, if one element of the story is he, he's finally able to fully reconnect with Qui-Gon, that's a huge burst of joy, right? Yeah. Um, and if the big picture story is Kenobi turning and facing his his greatest demon that he did not stop Vader nor save Anakin. He didn't do either of the things that he could have. Mm -hmm. That I think that's what's leading us to sadness of like, okay, well then we know he can't, he's not going to succeed in, mm -hmm. in saving Vader and turning Anakin back to the light. So this is going to be sad. But exactly what you were saying, I think it is going to end on such a moment of hope where Kenobi fully accepts and commits to and believes and is truly restored by his new understanding of, of who he thinks Luke is going to be and what Luke's purpose is. I think it, it's going to have a, a maybe bittersweet, but I think it's going to have that hope because I think that's that's where that's the change that Kenobi is going to go through is, you know, how much he believes in Luke. Yeah, a renewal, a re rebirth, uh, a refresh, uh, a refocus, all those kind of wonderful things. Uh, and, and a big theme to me, potentially, we always say potentially, we don't quite know, is this, you know, massive guilt and working through that and refining yourself, a refining purpose and, and rec reconciling your failures that are racked with guilt. That's a big one. That's a potential big theme. You say it so well there, Joseph. Like, I had a mission. I had two. I didn't do either. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> And now I got this new one that I'm not even sure about. I think he's, you know, sure about, but I, I think we we find him in a different spot. That's what's always pulled us in about this potential idea of where do we find him in, in New Hope or now even the Twin Sons episode of Rebels. We find him there. How does he get there? Because he needs to get there. And, uh, you know, along the way, I'm sure he'll have a laugh. 
I'm sure he'll have a laugh, and I'm sure he will cut at least one hand off in a bar. It's just what he does in bars. Uh, and yes, as you're saying, rightfully so, I get very excited about some of the information that we do know about this show, but then I do fill in with uh, some assumptions, and I want to make sure that I'm speculating responsibly. Many of the things that I hope for eh, might not happen. Uh, these are guesses on my part, and if I am wrong, I will try to take a deep breath and just embrace what is there. But great question, mm. Geeky Gator. You ready to move on, Ken? I am. I am excited for Kenobi stuff. We know that. I, I even that picture this past week that came out of Hayden Christensen at a uh, con with a Kenobi stunt team like hat on. I got me excited. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, I'm very excited. All right. We're going to go to a question from Nick Field. Nick asks, Lucasfilm reaches out to you and says they want Kathleen Kennedy to come on the show. What questions would you ask her? What topics would you discuss? How would you prepare for the conversation? Put everyone else's thoughts aside. This is about what Ken and Joseph want to know. Uh, this is a fun question, Ken, because, you know, here on Force Center, we mostly interview one another or yeah. a conversation, as it's sometimes called. Uh, but you and I have both in other podcasts interviewed other people. I think we both think about interviewing is a specific skill and something you and I both enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. So I thought this was a really fun question from that perspective. W where does your mind go when you put, uh, take off your Kenobi stunt team hat and put on your, uh, I'm an interviewer hat and you're interviewing Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. What do you think about? Um, I think Nick asked specifically, how would you prepare for the conversation? And, and we, you and I probably maybe have different styles. I, I don't prepare a lot. I, I am, I, I'm, I, I like to sit down, roll my sleeves and see kind of where they want to take me with the stories they're telling. It uh, doesn't mean I'm not prepared or, or know who I'm interviewing and everything, but that's kind of how I love to approach it. So therefore I always have like, where do I want to go in my mind? What do I maybe want answered to what Nick, Nick, Nick's asking here? And I, 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 with her, it would be the, the core Star Wars stories and what she really feels it and she has really talked about it before and i think you and i are in general agreement of some of the, the brief sound bites we've gotten over you know it's a personal there's something to, you know uh there's some some part of every storyteller is in these movies and all those kind of kind of big themes of star wars she seems to get that and there could be there can be debate on individual show ideas and uh, you know, rumors of things she's nixed or rumored of things that she's pushed, put, pushed through. I, I don't really know all those answers 100%. So I'd want to hear from her. What excites you about a new Star Wars story? I'd start the conversation there. That's a great place to start it. Yeah, I think I would approach it as I'm kind of interviewing, you know, the human being. Mm -hmm. But I think I would approach it as, you know, there are different kinds of interviews, right? Depending on what what people are talking about. And I feel like the really fascinating thing to me would be I want to learn who Kathleen Kennedy is as a person, but I also want to learn her massive amounts of wisdom about being a producer. You know, she has a job that, you know, a lot of people don't understand a producer can mean a million different things. And there aren't that many people in the world mm -hmm. <laughs> who have been had the producing experience that she has. Right. So I think I would just start from that of like, what is the day-to-day -day work of being a producer, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes for my podcast, Obsessed, I'll ask people to explain it like aliens landed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, to, and like, they want to know what this is. So you to take that real big step back of what is it on a day-to-day -day basis, basis? How do you define it for yourself? Um, mm -hmm. And I think I'd, uh, without asking her about specific decisions, because I think people would be looking for that kind of uh, almost more like the clickbait, right? Of sure. did Kathleen Kennedy decide X or Y, you know? And I think I'd be more interested in like, for you, in your view, what, what 
kinds of decisions is it essential that you are a part of? And what kinds of decisions are like, I hired that person. That was my decision. That's what I do. I'm a producer. And now I trust them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, but obviously then there is your responsibility to step in at times. So how do you make those decisions? You know, I think really getting her expert opinion on being a producer is the main thing I'd be interested in. Yeah. And yeah. And, and, and in terms of some specific stuff, whether it be, you know, say rogue one or solo. Yeah. I wouldn't, I'm not the type that would that jumps right to that either. Uh, I know you're not as well, but I, what, what, if I was to bring this up or if it was to have the, have the you know, conversation was to go that way, I, I would want to know what was the final straw, even if the straw was business, even if the straw was, hey, or just personalities. You get a call from Alden Ehrenreich saying, something's wrong, it's probably me, I guess you're going to fire me, and you and you remove Lord Miller. Like, again, this is a dream scenario, NDAs and agreements and, <laughs> and 50 lawyers waiting outside the podcast door. But not, I wouldn't want the clickbait gossipy stuff like you're saying, but like, how does that decision that you eventually had to make make the buck stops with you how does that tie to what you feel about movies and what you know about producing and what you feel about star wars stories and what made you finally go yeah this is broke and we have to fix it at all costs even if uh, there might be you know egg on my face and number one you know how are you concerned about egg on your face or do you know that in your position you can't be i would try to approach it from that angle you know do i, I wouldn't want necessarily yeah, maybe off off microphone. I'd, hey, hey, hey! Tell me, tell me, tell me. But in terms of an interview and trying to get the get the actual story, I, I think I'm with you on that. Of just like, take me to that moment and tell me what made you make the next step. Yeah, and without asking any specifics, because right now she's not in a position to answer a lot of certain specifics. Right? Yeah. Um, you to me, it's more valuable to get the sense of exactly what you're saying. Like, what do you value and why, and and what is worth taking a risk on a big decision, or you know, real that kind of thing. Then you know, if you're a fan and you want to, you can read those tea leaves, right? But you're coming from a place of honesty uh, about a person as a human and how they approach their job. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the other thing for me is uh, that for me that would just be like the intro stuff, <laughs> uh, and what I'd really want to get into is just her personal experiences about the things that she can talk about now. Cause she's not going to answer, you know, right. uh, she's not going to answer what was the final straw for, you know, moving away from, uh, Trevorrow's script. She's not going to answer that. Right. Um, but what she can answer about is her, the whole rest of her massive and impressive <laughs> experience. Right. Yep. So I would just love to ask her about like what, films did you learn the most on what what is the funniest thing that's ever happened uh, you know on a set um for films that are you know decades old which films look like they were in rough shape but turned out great or vice versa and you can talk about it now you know and get to the heart of those things that that we could learn more about her as a person and what it means to be a producer uh because time has passed on some of those projects yeah and i'd, I'd, I'd love to have some fun conversations about making of some of the, the more popular big movies, right? The ones that helped uh, influence a lot of our lives. Uh, for me, it'd be like Indiana Jones and stuff like that. And just tell me a George story. Tell me a Stephen story. Tell me why they were so darn depressed on Temple of Doom. I know this, the reasons, divorces and whatnot, but and tell me how they actually were. You know, tell, tell me some of those moments, if you can. Yeah, and how did that affect you, right? You're, yeah. you're you know, young and learning learning the biz and from uh, uh, depressed divorce guys. How's that going? How's that going for you? <laughs> Uh, it would be great, great fun. 
Uh, great question. Any more thoughts before we move on, Ken? Uh, no, I mean, you know, you and I don't do a lot of interviews on Force Center uh, for a lot of varied reasons. But yeah, if uh, Lucasfilm says Force Center, we randomly pulled your name out of a hat. You get Kathy Kennedy. Yes, absolutely. We, uh, that would be a dream. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're going to move on to our questions uh, from patrons on Patreon. This one comes to us from Anthony King. Anthony says, hello, Force Center. With a lot of Star Wars heading to Disney Plus in the future, I wanted to get your thoughts on limited engagement runs or fan events at cinemas to showcase new season openers, finales, or just special episodes. I would love to see the season two finale of The Mandalorian on a big screen with a bunch of my friends eating popcorn and just losing it when Luke Skywalker appears again. Although I understand uh, they want to only have this content on streaming. I, I think it could be a lucrative endeavor as well. Do you think that could be something Lucasfilm might explore? Is there an episode of Star Wars television you would like to see on the big screen for the first time? Also, let's put together a game of Star Wars tag at Celebration. I call playing as Kit Fisto. Thanks. Uh, the great Star Wars tag game. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Ken, there's a great question. How do you feel about what uh, bits of Star Wars that have not been on the big screen that you would like to see in the big screen in a theater? Yeah, I think it would be, I, I think it would be fun. Uh, you know, Game of Thrones did, uh, was season four, the final two episodes. They put them in theaters after the season had ended. I think it was an IMAX experience. I didn't get to experience it. There were some local screens, um, but it was a lot of fun by the, for those uh, that went that I, that I knew. Uh, I, I did get to see the Rebels finale on a, in a screening room, which was in a big screen with a lot of people. And that was a fun experience. So, yeah, I'm all for this. I, do, I think there's a lot of logistics that would be, you know, make, make for a boring conversation right now. And the streaming versus theaters and this. Uh, yeah, take that aside. That's not, the, to me, the spirit of Anthony's question. It would absolutely be fun. And I think people would absolutely enjoy it and pay good money uh, if if Disney needed more money, uh, which who doesn't, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think the fans would appreciate that and i don't necessarily it'll be you know i could see it around a convention or celebration or something like that but just in general across the country across the world on this particular weekend you get to go see uh the the the, the shows because that's the one thing that's missing from streaming right is a communal experience in general yeah yeah i mean i think just being able to see like you know the trailer for the rise of skywalker at uh, star wars celebration you know, that's kind of a different thing because it's reveals it's at a convention. But I think that's the thing that excites me. Like some of these things I would love to see on a big screen. Um, but what I would really love to see them with is a critical mass of fans mm -hmm. to really get that vocal response. Right. Uh, and I think that's what Anthony's asking about. So, yeah, that the season two finale of Mandalorian is, is a great example of that. Um, you know, something like uh, Kenobi, because I can't stop talking about it. Uh, six episodes. That would be great it, for like to, to have like a two night screening event. Right. Where you buy tickets for both nights. Um, if you had like that critical mass of fans, even if you didn't, it'd still be fun to see it on a big screen. Um, I feel like eventually we are going to see that final arc of Clone Wars on the big screen since it seemed to be made exactly for that experience, right? Yeah, yeah, literally, yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's structured that way, even changing the conventions of the beginning and the uh, the opening and the closing of the episodes, uh, you know, to make it more movie-like. Um, that would be really, really cool. And, yeah, I, I think it's really interesting to think about how do you make that, uh, that happen, uh, not just with all the streaming stuff, but 
you know, advertising to get it to truly be an event with critical mass. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone be here at this place this time. Yeah. Have yeah, to and, and because obviously, like the that's the the magic of uh, the old internet of uh, things like a podcast like this get the fans to come together from all places. Like uh, here in L.A., when Hollywood Bowl, John Williams concert, and yeah. he finally plays uh, Star Wars usually at the end of the concert, and then you know uh, thousands of lightsabers <laughs> yeah. explode out of the audience. Those kinds of communal experiences, it, it would be so great to experience. Uh, with something that is the love of the known, right? It's a different experience when you see something for the first time and there's the shock uh, or the surprise, but it would be great to have that experience of like, oh, we all know it's coming. There's the X-Wing. Let's go. Yeah. It, you may be thinking something too. It's like, obviously I see movies that I you know haven't seen before in the theater with people, um, but a TV show, Man, I get so like everyone shut up, don't say a word, don't eat crunchy snacks, and I don't <laughs> want you around anyways. But I guess you got to be here. I mean, you and I experienced that in a hotel in uh, Chicago for uh, the uh, episode one of Game of Thrones season eight, where uh, I just kind of view things like that. So uh, seeing like if it was Mandalorian season three premiere at a theater, I'd be like, eh, I might, I might, I might wait, I might wait, but probably end up. Yeah. Yeah. And I, we're in a fascinating period with, uh, with Disney plus where, um, I think right now it does seem like they're, they're, uh, saying focused on subscribers. If it's on Disney plus it's on Disney plus, but as the years roll on, I think we will see some, some Blu-rays and, and hopefully some screenings too. Yeah. 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 Great questioning. Anthony, I can't wait to be in a theater, uh, with friends screaming about Luke Skywalker. Uh, moving on to our final question. From Michael McCarcel. Michael says, while listening to a recent Star Wars ranked, I actually got to thinking a lot about Padme after the comment about 3PO regaining his memories and saying, oh, Mistress Padme. Uh, quick uh, side note for anybody who hasn't listened to that episode of Star Wars ranked. Ken came up with a great idea of uh, if there were a special edition of Disney era Star Wars films, what kind of things might we want to see? And I had thrown out uh, the idea that uh, 3PO got his whole memory restored. Uh, at the end of Rise of Skywalker and in Remembered Padme. Uh, so that's what Michael is referencing. Back to Michael's question. On top of being a major tearjerker, I got to thinking about just how much of a loss her death was to the galaxy. On top of the tragedy of her children never knowing her, there's all of the good she could have done and the tragedy she could have prevented during the reign of the Empire. I eventually came to the idea that losing her might have been more impactful on the galaxy than Anakin's fall to the dark side. I guess my question is just what are your thoughts on this idea? Am I off base? Thanks. Mm -hmm. And may the force be with you. Thank you, Michael. This is a, a great question. And thanks for the kind thoughts on that episode of Ranked. Ken, where do you go with this? The loss to the galaxy of Padme. Yeah, it, it's a super impactful death uh, and, and something. This is one of the reasons why we continue to kind of celebrate and explore Padme here and, and why, uh, you know, we're super excited for E.K. Johnston's third book to take us into her death. Maybe get a little bit more insight into that. As far as um, his ideas here, of, you know, what would have happened and and what, what would she have done during the reign of the empire? I look, you know, Mon Mothma kind of takes up the takes up the flag, so to speak. When when you know Padme gone, and then Bail a little bit uh, later on, there it, we see Mothma kind of emerge as the unifying leader for the rebellion. But they still have to be secret. They still have to be in cells. I don't necessarily know if that would have been smart to change. Quite frankly. Uh, it's probably a good strategy to that, but 
Padme could have been a more, a bigger public figure. You'd have to lock her away in a bunker and make sure she's safe because all the bounty hunters and assassins coming after her uh, would be, uh, would be, uh, you know, extensive, but you know what I mean? They're just like her being front and center and saying no to everything that was happening in this new uh, empire, this so-called safe and secure society. I don't think she'd sit idly by this. We know that's not a, insightful comment but just it would be louder i think she'd be more like enough of this let's do this let's find some ways maybe first through politics maybe first through um you know traditional means but i think she she would be ready to uh fight back and i think it could have happened sooner maybe i don't know um but that's where i go initially yeah no i think it's really really fascinating there's uh, so many great uh what ifs to this right um uh, there, there's a story of what Balin and Mon Mothma actually do and many other senators that you're so right to point out that clearly they don't have any illusion of maybe this is going to work out, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they clearly make the choice of like, well, it, 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 we're not ready to immediately fight it and in sort of full-scale war type way, we'll quietly build and we'll do everything we can within the Senate. And, and I think you get that picture from even Rogue One and A New Hope that uh, while they did not, weren't able to contain the empire that there were maybe a little bit of a thorn in the side of, uh, of the emperor, this danger of if they fight things too much, they could inspire people. Right. Like, because I think that's why you get things like that business meeting with Krennic invader and invader telling him we've already decided, you know, it's a, it was a mining accident uh, that destroyed Jeddah city. Right. And they're doing that to keep the Senate. And there's so much in a new hope that's about like, uh, well, if, if this, you know, if these rebels keep gaining support in the Senate, and, and I think it really is about, to me, this, um, this story of Palpatine knows that uh, he can keep people down if he can keep them away from, from hope and make them feel alone, right? Yeah. And I think the interesting question is Padme is very aware of those dynamics right? she, yeah. she she fights fights without knowing palpatine's the real enemy she fights him on this again and again in the clone wars animated series so there is a part of me that, that says that she would go i need to take more direct action i'm gonna you know yeah i'm gonna go uh, i'm gonna run from the em- empire and i'm gonna do everything i can to to spread the word i'm gonna organize all that but then you get to the what if of like well if she survived and uh and she had luke and leia yeah. How much would she say? I need to be, I need to make different choice. I need to fight in a different way so I can protect them. Mm. Or would she say, I can't help that much in the political arena. Cause it's mostly a sham right now. Mm. I'm going to get Anakin back. Cause I believe in it. You know, uh, the, the fascinating thing to me is, is I think we know from the second we meet her in Phantom Menace, uh, she isn't going to sit by. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. the question is, how is she going to, uh, pushback. Oh, and, and, and there's a lot of wonderful, you know, questions that, you know, more what ifs that spring out of what ifs, which is part of the fun of them. You mentioned the Anakin thing. I mean, what is, you know, what's Palpatine going to do with Vader? And Vader's like, what was that? Is that Padme on the holo screen? <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's going to control that. And then you talk about the, with the kids, I, I would, I would say, you know, Luke, Luke, Luke ain't a farm boy anymore, maybe, but, uh, you know, Leia could still see politics definitely be in the path, but also, Padme's like, hey, I've probably got two Force-sensitive children here. <laughs> I've got to, let's go find Kenobi or Quinlan Voss or 
someone to to uh, train here. I hear, is that Ahsoka girl still around? I was friends with her. Where'd she go? Um, <laughs> you know, that would be interesting just to see specifically looking at Leia's path and how different it would be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think there are a lot of different um, mm-hmm. different ways that, that Padme may have been able to respond. Uh, I think the, the kind of the second part of Michael's question about, you know, how much damage did it do to the galaxy to lose her? Uh, one of the things that I really appreciate about Padme, it's there in the prequel films, but it's really there strongly in the Clone Wars animated series that I think Padme is this, uh, one of these characters that is really about everyone has power. Um, you don't need to be uh, born with the force of flowing through you. And I think she has that that uh, very sociopolitical perspective that everyone has value and I think one of the things that the Empire and Palpatine does uh, really successfully, it's not just propaganda, but like uh, making things hard for people, right? If you are like too hungry or tired or apathetic to do anything about a bad situation, it makes it easier for a dictator, right? And I, I think that is, that's what I, my mind goes when when Michael asks about uh, more damage to the galaxy of like, I think Padme is somebody who would have such great and intuitive understanding of the the people should feel empowered there it's a real that's the challenge is how do we keep people uh having all the basics that they need in life so that they are strong enough to push back on palpatine yeah i mean you know padme meeting someone like infus nest would be a pretty interesting uh conversation right uh, of right just the resources and ability to live and survive being swept away by the empire wouldn't sit well with padme no, no. And I think Padme would have uh, some good budget proposals on how to spend that $60 million from the coaxium. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. And, and all this it makes me think we love discussing Padme here. We really do. Uh, Michael knows this. It seems like he's in the, in line with that, too. You, I know you've mentioned in the sequel trilogy errors, particularly episode nine, of, of maybe a lack of Padme and, and uh, just it, even in passing, <laughs> a picture on the wall. And I, I really, really second that. Uh, I looked to Kenobi and I looked to Andor as two series where we possibly could get that corrected, possibly get not just a mention, um, but an actual discussion about Padme and Padme's legacy to both the children and to the rebellion. It'd be, you know, I don't need an entire episode of Padme's legacy, but like you got Mothma, you got Bale, and you got in, in the Andor series. They, they would be working with her if she wasn't here and they're working maybe to honor her in many ways as well as, you know, help the galaxy and the people in it. But I, I'm looking to those two series as hopefully uh, maybe we're right a little bit of a wrong. Yeah, me too. I, I think for Kenobi, there's just, uh, it, it seems so obvious that if, well, not if, we know that he is facing Vader in some way. So he is facing the problems there. How can the last words of the mother of Anakin's children not be ringing in Kenobi's head, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I have I have high hopes. Could absolutely be wrong, but I have high hopes there. And or, and Ahsoka, right? Uh, if we have a yep. whole series to explore Ahsoka, Ahsoka spent a lot of time with Padme too. Yep. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and it's exciting. Something looking forward to there. Yeah, absolutely. I think that all these shows uh, should really uh, wrestle with the legacy of Padme, and then they should all be put together uh, so we can screen them in a theater. That's my opinion. (laughs) There you go. I like it. (laughs) 
That is it for our questions. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Anthony, Nick, and Geeky Gator. Those are the questions, Ken. Those are the questions, and we are out of here for today. But, hey, you can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. You can like our Facebook page at Force Center Podcast. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Not as active over there, but we're there. Find us, and eh, maybe we'll get more active. Hey, you know, there, there you go. Uh, podcast, <laughs> myself, by the way. Uh, podcast available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more, including Spotify and Amazon Music. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center and patreon.com slash force center is where you can go to support us directly. I am back from traveling, which means if you signed up to get that exclusive force center 1000 poster commemorating uh, our uh, 1000th episode, uh, that'll I'll start going out very soon. You can follow me at Ken Napsuck or go to kennapsuck.com for information on all the things I do. Got upcoming comedy dates in New York. Uh, and uh, beyond. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we always like to highlight uh, something of interest, something to get involved with in the real world out there. There's a lot out there, as we always say, a lot out there. Uh, so uh, not choosing one over the other, but I go back to this one a lot. This is the CaliforniaFireFoundation.org. If you want to uh, donate and support, this is um, not just for the uh, areas affected by fire, supporting the firefighters, but also for a lot of the uh, children of fallen firefighters and family of fallen firefighters. And I thought about this one because driving back from Vegas, there was a fire breaking out in the hills above the five freeway that I kind of saw in real time. And man, mm. maybe think of the danger of fire season, especially now. So check out uh, cafirefoundation.org. Joseph. Uh, that is great. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. Uh, I have been busy studying Star Wars, so I haven't had time to make uh, some little videos of my Star Wars action figures. But after I'm done Star Warsing, I'm going to get back to Star Warsing. So it'll be nice to have the time for that. So check that out. Uh, you can also find all of my other comedy adventures on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. And the organization I'd like to highlight this week is uh, Vote Forward. It is an organization that sets up the opportunity for you to write letters with a little personal message encouraging people to vote. Uh, this week, they're wrapping up a big campaign, so there's still time to jump onto that. If you're curious uh, about that, you can go to their website at votefwd.org. Check it out. Check it all out. Get plugged in. And thank you so much for supporting and listening and sharing all that you can about Force Center. We're happy to have you here, Force Center friends. So for Padme's legacy, Obi-Wan's fun, silly drinking, this has been Force Center. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.